0: Today's teaching comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, They would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So my wife and I just got done celebrating our first Christmas in our new home. And it was a great time. We got to have family and friends over. Uh, We had a good time picking out our favorite ornaments to put on the tree Um, And we dressed our newborn son up in silly Christmas outfits. So it was a great time. But uh, back up a few months earlier this year, and we were actually renting a home. We were renting a home from a close friend. And um, when we started this uh, process, we were already looking around for a house to purchase. And so uh, our friend that we were renting from was gracious enough to allow us to rent month to month. Um, And we thought this would be a pretty quick, um, temporary stay in this house. Um, But in the Lord's humor, um, it took about a year of searching for a home and 10 house offers before we finally ended up in the one we are in now. And uh, we got pretty restless during this time. um, And this was compounded by watching way too many HGTV shows. Um, So we actually started to imagine, what if we were here for the long haul? what if this house was ours? So we imagined it with different paint colors. We imagined it with new cabinetry. We imagined it with the wall knocked out between the kitchen and the living room to create that you know, open concept. So what if that daydreaming though had turned into action? What if we had actually brought in a paint crew to paint the walls in this home? What if we had brought in a contractor to swap out the cabinets? and knock down that wall? What if we'd even put in one of those cute tile backsplashes? Well, if we'd done that, you would have looked at us and said, what a bunch of fools. Why are they pouring all this time and energy and money into a house they don't even own? Don't they know that's not their forever home? And if we'd done that, you would have been right to call us foolish. In fact, because we knew it was temporary, we changed the way we lived. Uh, We left a lot of stuff packed away in boxes and... uh, much to my wife's consternation, we didn't really put up many uh, decorations on the walls. So, because we knew it was temporary, we altered the way we lived. Now, this story illustrates a point: um, we can do what I just described doing with our spiritual lives. We can invest all our energy and time and money into seeking comforts in this life, into trying to improve our situation in this life, and to making a name in this life, instead of investing in our forever home. You know, we say we believe in heaven and God, but often our actions don't reflect that reality. We too often desire the city of man and man's approval rather than desiring desire in the city of God and God's approval of us. Well, these people mentioned in this passage, Abraham and Sarah, they understood this reality this life was temporary. It was not their forever home. And because they understood that, not just mentally, but on a soul level, it affected the way they lived their lives. So this passage asks a question of all of us. How are Christians to live in this life? How are we to live in this life? And the answer from the text is clear. We are to have faith while we wait for our forever home. We are to have faith while we wait for our forever home. But what does this faith look like? Well, that's what we're going to unpack today. We're going to look at faith that endures, faith that speaks, and the reward of faith. Faith that endures, faith that speaks, and the reward of faith. So let's start with faith that endures. The first thing about this faith that allows you entrance into the city of God and your forever home is that it must endure until the end. Let's look at the beginning of verse 13. These all died in faith. So faith was a defining characteristic of Sarah and Abraham's life. It endured until their death. The author of Hebrews goes on to describe how their faith endured despite unrealized promises and hardships. Look at verse 13 again. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Despite these unrealized promises, Sarah and Abraham did not abandon God. What is this talking about, though? What, what promises did they not receive? Well, let's uh, turn to Genesis 12, where God calls Abraham and makes numerous promises to him. Starting at verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house The land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God makes numerous promises to Abraham, promises him land, promises him that he will have countless descendants that will one day become a great nation promises that he will make his name great, and that all the people of the earth will be blessed through him, all the people. Namely, the Messiah will come from his family line. All of these promises, however, went unfulfilled in Sarah and Abraham's lifetime. When Abraham died, the only land he owned was a small burial plot. The land that was promised to him descendants It was occupied by hostile tribes and nations. The promise of countless descendants and a nation that would come from them, that seemed pretty impossible. They only had one son, Isaac. Despite this, they continued to trust in God and his promises, knowing he was faithful to deliver on them. Let's look again at verse 13 in Hebrews 11. They saw these promises and greeted them from afar. Because of faith, they were able to see what others couldn't. It became so real to them, they actually did see it and greet these promises. With faith, they were able to look past the present circumstances, the fact that they only had one son, the fact that the promised land was occupied by enemies. And they were able to trust that God would fulfill these promises. Abraham and Sarah in this way are a pattern for all believers. Abraham and Sarah are a pattern for all believers. What do I mean? Well, God's promised certain things to his people that will go unfulfilled in our lives. We must endure until the end to see these promises realized. What sorts of things am I talking about here? Well, God has promised to rid our bodies of sin. So our addictions our temptations, the sins we all struggle with that we just cannot seem to shake. God has promised to give us glorified bodies where we will not experience this anymore. Sin will no longer have sway over our body and our thoughts. You know, with sin entering the world, it also brought death, aging, and disease. But God has also promised to rid these. So chronic pain, Cancer, mental illness, these will all be abolished in the new heavens and new earth. You know, we just talked about um, all the craziness that's going on in the world in the uh, pastoral prayer, bombings and terrorism, war. Um, If we focus on our present hardships and all this chaos in the world, it's easy to become depressed. In reality, though this world is broken in the here and now, God has promised that he will make it right. So church, I want to ask you a question. Are you currently going through a hardship right now that's placing a serious strain on your faith? Are you currently going through a hardship that's placing a serious strain on your faith? It's causing you to doubt if you can even endure If that describes you, I want to remind you that it's not the absence of hardships that defines success in the Christian life. You know, many Christians in America, we've bought into this lie that um, the presence of hardship in our lives is a result of lack of faith, or it's a result of uh, being abandoned by God, or, you know, some other crazy reason, um, or punishment from God. But all you have to do is look at Abraham and Sarah's lives to realize that that's utter nonsense. We just read it in Genesis 12. They were called by God. They were blessed by God. But that didn't remove the hardships that they experienced in their life. You might even be able to relate to some of the hardships they experienced that are documented in the Bible. Infertility. They waited decades for a child but were unable to have one. Burying a loved one. Abraham had to bury both his father and his wife. Marriage and family strife. Uh, This is a military town too, so this might apply to some of you. Abraham was also involved in a battle to rescue his nephew Lot and likely would have seen traumatic events that would have stuck with him the rest of his life. Again, if you're experiencing a hardship like this or some other one, God has not abandoned you. The difference between the believer and the non-believer is not the types of hardships or the quantity of hardships that you go for. It's how you suffer. The believer has a future hope, hope in their forever home with God where he will make all things right. The believer also doesn't suffer alone. God has promised his presence and his power in the midst of our hardships. The believer also gets to suffer in community. Uh, we talk about it every week that we do life here in community. One of the main sources of grace that God has given to you is Christian community in the context of a local church. Dietrich Bonhoeffer describes the need for this community in his book, Life Together. The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without denying the truth. He needs his brother as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain, but his brother's is sure. So we need encouragement from other believers. We need to experience tangible acts of love when life gets hard. But our natural tendency is to isolate ourselves and withdraw when life gets hard. You know, we may do this because of pride or fear or shame but when life gets hard it's when you most need to press into the church and press into Christian community. So simple point of application. If you're going through hardship right now and you're unsure if you can endure, talk to someone about it. Talk to an elder. Talk to one of our deacons. Talk to someone in your community group. Write it on a prayer card. If you're here today and you're investigating Christianity, the question I have for you is where does your source of hope come from? And will that source of hope, can it ever be taken away? Can it fail? Is that source of hope enough to sustain you? Okay, let's move on to our next point. The faith that Abraham and Sarah had impacted the way they lived their lives. Their faith, in a sense, spoke to those around them. Faith that speaks. Let's look at verse 13. They acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. And verse 14 goes on to state, they spoke this way throughout their lives. For people who speak thus make it clear they are seeking a homeland. And Abraham in Genesis is actually on record as to referring to himself as a sojourner. In Genesis 23, he asked a particular tribe for land for a burial plot. He says, I'm a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I might bury my dead out of my sight. Abraham's grandson also referred to himself as a sojourner. At the end of his life, speaking to Pharaoh in Egypt, he says, the years of my sojourning are 130 When the saints in the Old Testament spoke this way, they made it clear to those around them and those who would later read this, they counted themselves as sojourners or people without a citizenship on earth. Another way of saying this is that their main identity was not found in the place where they were living. It didn't come from the land that they currently live in or its values. Their main identity came in their relationship with God and their main identity came and the fact that they counted themselves as sojourners here and citizens of heaven. Not only did they speak this way, though, the way they lived their lives also bore witness to this fact. Let's look at verse 15. If they had been thinking of that from which they'd gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Not only did they leave their homeland and go live in the promised land if they were temporary residents, but they never returned to their homeland, nor did they consider returning. Again, this is a statement about identity. Abraham and Sarah were no longer to identify with their former homeland and its values. By not returning, they were making a statement about where their true values and identity come from. And Abraham and Sarah... I can imagine they would have been tempted to return the land. They left Ur of Chaldea was a major city in the ancient world. It would not have made sense for a man and his wife in their old age to leave a city whose walls offer protection from bandits and wild animals. It would not have made sense to leave the comforts of urban life for life's intents in the wilderness. But true faith changes our affections and thinking, which in turn affects the actions we take. See, faith's not merely a mental belief in God and heaven. We don't just say we believe in Jesus one day and then strap in and wait for heaven or wait for him to call us home. We are called to demonstrate our faith by words and actions. Our faith needs to speak This is the type of faith that Abraham and Sarah demonstrated when they left the home they knew for a home that God would show them. It is what allowed them to live in tents in the wilderness and not return to their homeland or settle into one of the other cities in Canaan. There are oftentimes living by faith in God and his promises will look pretty foolish, kind of like living in tents in the wilderness in our old age. True faith puts us out of step with the values of our culture and aspirations of the rest of the world. So question today, is there something God is calling you or your family to undertake by faith that seems to clash with the values of this world? Is there something God is calling you to undertake by faith that seems to clash with the values of this world? Let's ask a different question. How would our lives look if God wasn't involved in all? Would they even look different? This is important. If all you live for, all you dream about, all you talk about, all you put your money towards, everything you pour your time and energy into differs little from the neighbor that doesn't believe, then it's likely you've embraced this culture and its values rather than Christ and his values. It's likely you're finding your identity here rather than in your forever home to come. If we have truly placed our faith in Christ, it will impact the way we live our lives. We should look radically different than those who do not have faith. Here's a short example of how the Christian church walked this out in the early centuries. The Romans uh, were known for abandoning their children in the forest uh, if they were unwanted um, gender or something was wrong with the child. The Christians, however, were known for going into these forests, finding these children, caring for them, adopting them, and raising them, not knowing how they were going to pay for all this. Christians in the ancient world, too, were also known for running into cities that were being affected by plagues and caring for the sick and dying. Now, everything in our natural senses would tell us, don't undertake extra children if you don't know how you're going to pay for them. Everything in our natural sense would say to run from danger and disease. But when we have faith it speaks, faith that acknowledges that our true citizenship in heaven, it allows us to lay down our lives in the here and now. This is what allows people to give sacrificially to missions in the church. They can sacrifice treasure here because they know true treasure is to come. This is what allows the exhausted mom to continue to pour out her energy day in and day out and loving and caring for her kids, and pointing them towards the gospel, because she knows true rest is to come in the next life. It's what allows the missionary to leave her lucrative career, corporate America, spend years learning foreign language, living in dangerous, harsh environments, and if necessary, giving her very life for the gospel, in order to see Christ worshiped a foreign land in foreign language. If this life is all there is, none of these decisions make any sense. But if this is a temporary stop on our way to eternity, if these decisions make the most sense of all. Let's move on now to the reward of faith. Verse 16 makes it clear that because Abraham and Sarah trusted in God, they were promised a reward. Says, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared for them a city. So there's a reward for faith that endures until the end, and faith that speaks in words and actions. That reward is entrance into our forever home, the city of God. The city of God, it's a lot different than the city of man. John Piper describes it this way no pollution, no graffiti. No trash, no peeling paint or rotting garages, no dead grass or broken bottles, no harsh street talk, no in-your-face confrontations, no domestic strife or violence, no dangers in the night, no arson, no lying, no killing, and no ugliness. The city of God will be perfect because God will be in it. He will walk in it and talk in it and manifest himself in every part of it. All that is good and beautiful, holy and peaceful and true and happy will be there because God will be there. The scripture says, when you desire this city above all else, you honor God, who Hebrews says is the architect and builder of this city. And when God is honored, he's pleased to call you His son or daughter. He's pleased to call you, um, to call himself your God. I want to pause here. Yes, we're looking forward to our forever home and um, everything being made right again. But what we should desire more than our forever home is who we're going to dwell there with. Let me repeat that. We should desire dwelling with God more than our forever home. It's actually one of the major themes of scripture is the ability to dwell with God. That's what was lost at the fall. That's what Christ came to restore. So right now we dwell with God in a mediated fashion through the Holy Spirit. But when Christ comes again, we'll be able to dwell with him in the flesh. So we're entering the new year. Uh, Lots of us are coming up with goals, uh, goals for our finances, finances, Goals for our family. Uh, Some of you are even thinking about how to spend that tax return already. But a question for you today in the midst of all these goals is do you have a goal to know Christ deeper next year? Do you have a goal to know Christ more deeply next year? So we've talked about enduring faith, faith that speaks, and the reward of faith. But where does this faith come from? You may be thinking, there's no way I can endure until the end. And I'm pretty awful at letting my faith speak. Well, it's not the amount of our faith or the quality of our faith that matters. It's the object of our faith. We've got to read this passage in its proper context. When we get at the beginning of chapter 12, we learn that faith is a person says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So faith is founded and perfected by the person and work of Christ. Some of the translations state it this way. Christ is the author of our faith. He's the one who authored our faith, and he's the one who perfects our weak and imperfect faith. So no, we won't be able to endure on our own strength. And no, we all fail to let our faith impact our words and actions. Due to our weak and complete faith, we're barred access to the city of God. We can't enter our forever home. But there is good news. Christ overcame the temptation to grasp at the riches of this world. He had every opportunity to grasp at riches and power, but he pushed them aside. Kept his heart and mind focused on his father and the task his father had for him. The task would bring him to the cross where he would die for our sins. And on the cross, his faith endured until the end. He could have gotten off at any time and left us in our sin and brokenness, but he endured until the very end. The Bible says when you place your faith in Christ, that you are united to him. His faithfulness becomes your faithfulness. So you don't enter the city of God by your own faith, but by the faith of Christ. Put another way, we don't enter the city of God on our own merits, but by Christ's merits. We are not ashamed to place all our faith in Christ. He is not ashamed to call us his people. So if you've not trusted in Christ, if you've been placing your identity and hope and faith in the things of this world, in the city of man, I want to urge you to trust in Christ today. If you've already trusted in Christ and you're struggling to endure, you too, trust in Christ. He's the one that will enable you to endure till the end. I want to close out with the words to my favorite gospel song, Lord, keep me day by day. The, reword, the words in it are actually from Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. They remind us that this life is temporary and encourages us to look forward to our forever home. So let it be your prayer and hope this week. Lord, keep me day by day in a pure and perfect way. I want to live, I want to live on in a building not made by hand. Lord, keep my body strong so that I can do no wrong. Lord, give me grace to run this Christian race to a building not made by hand. I'm just a stranger here traveling through this barren land, but I know there's a building, a building somewhere building not made by hand. Lord, keep me day by day in a pure, perfect way. I want to live, I want to live on in a building not made by hand. Let us pray. Father, I pray that your word would transform our hearts and our minds so that we would be people that would speak um, by faith, um, that we would look different uh, than those around us without faith. Lord, I also wanna pray um, that you would encourage us uh, to hope for our forever home, um, and look forward to the day where we will dwell with you again. Thank you for all our blessings in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.